Hey, guys. Hi, hey. Rachel. I'm so happy to hear both of your voices. Also, so happy, my beloved Mindy Clark, Melinda Clark, a.k.a. Julie Cooper. Really, really looking forward to talking to her just in a conversation and not about only the OC specifically. She was also on Nikita, amongst many other projects. Uh, she is just one of my favorite people and really my family. So let's welcome Mindy. Sometimes when the world feels insane, you can take a little peek inside of Rachel's little brain. All these thoughts are swirling round and round inside to join us on this journey as we take a little ride. We'll talk about dogs and kids and things. We'll talk about chicks and tampon strings. We'll talk about boys that make you cry. We'll talk about death because people die. This is uh, this is like out of body experience because this is like Rachel's world. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> no, just because like I'm used to as I'm driving here and I was like, wow, this is just a new experience for me because I'm usually like, especially the last few months, Rachel, mm -hmm. we've been like doing three and four podcasts a day or a week. Oh, yeah. And we were trying a lot. To, so there's a lot of like focus and like I don't have a child running around, so I don't know how you do it, but there's a <laughs> lot of preparation um, that I felt felt had to go into the podcast. So this is a debrief, I think. Yeah. Like, how do you think it went, Rach? We're done. I know, I know. So that's what I wanted to say. Like, we've we finished our last episode of Welcome to the OC Bitches, and it was quite the experience. Yeah. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. I mean, so from the beginning, so I, I have to ask you. So from the beginning, and oh, can I just stop for a second? Yeah. Olivia, it's so exciting to see you. Because, because I mean, it was one of those things like we we went through this whole podcast and you were there too. Yeah. During the like, OC. Yeah. And we had Leah on and I was like, as we were coming, I'm like, why didn't Olivia come on too? Yeah. So, yeah. okay, this is, okay, we're talking, okay, I'm this taking is it. over. Yeah. You, you, this is your podcast. <laughs> She's a professional podcast. I know. Well, I'm not used to talking about myself, so I'm turning it back on you. I, I, I see what you're doing. <laughs> but no, I'm just super fascinated. Like I had those questions too. I wanted to ask Olivia what it was like for her. And then I wanted to ask my partner, like, how this experience was for her. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you said you did prepare. She did. She prepared. <laughs> she couldn't help it. She's like, I know what I can ask and what I can. Yeah. Which is funny because Rachel and I are the same. So yeah. Rob will be like, you need to prepare this, that, and the other. And we're like, oh, no, no, no. We do better if we don't. We just wing it. Like, yeah. <laughs> we like to not know what we're going to ask because we like to be just in it. And that's how we, we both work the same, mm -hmm. which we could use you. Can you yeah. direct <gasps> us? No. Well, I mean, you know what? I think there was such a, I'll never, you'll never know, Rachel, like how much that experience, because I'm in a place in my life where everything is a life lesson. I'm not trying to apply negative or positive to anything because everything is neutral in the world. I mean, obviously some things are, you know, that's debatable. Right. But it's our own interpretation and our own brains and our own narratives that um, make something positive or negative. And so when, when, and it's a practice, right? Positivity, mm -hmm. happiness, all those things are constant vigilant practices, especially when I spent like a decade of being incredibly negative. 
But so doing that podcast, it was like we were just kind of thrown to the wolves because Mm -hmm. Office Ladies and Scrubs and there were a few of these podcasts that were quite popular. And we had no formula (laughs) or or structure to it. So um, for lack of a better term, we were rehearsing on camera. And Rachel and I hadn't spent much time together. So we were trying to create chemistry over remote and you know, the first conversation, if I go back now, um, the one with Peter, Peter that Gallagher. was pretty, like... What well, we, we were just catching up, like, yeah. old friends is basically what the first episode turned out to be, which wasn't, I don't think, a bad thing. Like, I think, I think what I struggled with was having to stick to the actual formula of the episode and breaking it down and mm-hmm. where I, like, let's just have a conversation, you know, and and I think we found our balance. And we were able to do both. And we got to, like, reconnect with so many people, which was, I think, the best part. Well, and I think that's – so, yes, looking back, like I said, my narrative isn't that it was good or bad. It was literally just, like, what did I learn from the experience? Mm-hmm. And so I, because I'm used to scripted dialogue mm-hmm. and I'm used to perfection, mm-hmm. which I've had to work on. Because <laughs> guess what? I'm a fabulously flawed human being. And I love it. As and we I love all myself, are. Right? <laughs> progress, man, not perfection. But I just found myself sometimes opening my mouth and, and going, uh, and I, I wouldn't like, I stutter or I didn't know what to say or mm. I didn't, I was speaking in non sequiturs. Like all the things that you think could go wrong in a podcast did Mm-hmm. And guess what? It's okay. Right. Yeah, it is. Right. Who fucking cares? Right. Like like all those things that you realize are just innate in our own personalities mm-hmm. of anything that makes us feel uncomfortable or risky or new is, well, why? Because I fear people saying things about me, mm-hmm. commenting, being critical, being judgmental. And all of that stuff came true. But who cares? Right. And it's also experiential. You can't learn something. You can't prepare yourself into something like this, right? So you can do all the prep work ahead of time, and then someone's going to ask a question or bring something up. And really, all that's required of you is to be there, right? Right. And I don't think that any of our lessons come in our comfort zone. No, no, no. Right? From pain comes that real growth. Right. And, and it was, there were times, Adam will tell you, there was a couple times in the beginning where he was like, there were tears. <laughs> I was Adam's like, her husband. Yes, oh, okay. <laughs> Adam's my husband. And uh, just because it was, you know, Rachel and I hadn't done it before. We knew we were going to do a podcast. So I had, you know, I listened to the office ladies and they break down a 22 minute episode and they'll talk about it for two hours and they'll talk about it moment by moment. And both of us are like, well, we weren't there for every scene. And right. so how do we, I can remember my experiences a little bit. Rachel didn't quite remember her. But, <laughs> no. but how, what do we talk about if we don't remember it in that kind of detail? Mm-hmm. And if that was the bar that our producer was saying, like in the office ladies, they go scene by scene and that's how they do it. And so we tried that and it just felt really stale and constrictive. Yeah. And then we tried, we changed it up. I mean, we tried a few different things. We and- did. We did. I think we finally got our groove and, you know, for me, the best part was having the conversations with some of the people that we worked with yeah. and, you know, because the episodes, and it was hard for me, and I've talked about this pretty openly, that it was it was difficult for me to watch the show and transport back to 21 to 25 and everything that transpired in my life. And and I was in the depression for a while watching it and realizing like, oh, it's it's a little triggering. 
And you didn't tell me that. I didn't say that. Well, you yeah, said it I on said here. It. This last. Oh, I didn't. Oh, okay, did so I? I've, I've, mm-hmm. I've listened to a few episodes. I've caught up a little bit. I didn't hear you say that, but you were extremely emotional uh, from the last episode with Ben and, and Josh. <laughs> Which we need to talk to you about. <laughs> but okay, so that's interesting because it does trigger certain things, but I Certain think personal memories, I'm sure it would transport you back to, you know, what was going on in your marriage or, oh, yeah. you know, all I was like, stuff. I remember the one scene. I remember what I was wearing. I remember the scene and I was wearing purple um, eyeshadow and I just had an argument with Ernie. And Peter was like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I'm crying. <laughs> um, yeah, right? But it does. It brings back all of those. Yeah. And that's the thing you have to do when you're working. It doesn't matter. You have to shut off anything that's going on. And you mm-hmm. go on camera and you do the thing no matter what. Or use it, right? Yeah. Well, and I think that's fascinating <laughs> <Or> that. because, <laughs> you know, uh, I did read comments and, and Rachel. That's, definitely. yes. And do you? I, oh, I made the, the beginning and I was, mistake of doing it and it didn't turn out well for I me. I said, please don't read comments. Don't read the comments. Yeah. Yeah. No. And it's, well, and it's, but you did the whole time. Yeah. And it, because I, I, uh, use it, it as was, constructive criticism. Well, or? no, because I, I, I just don't care anymore. Oh, but okay. in the beginning, because sometimes if it was constructive or interesting, sure, I, it was worth it. But what's interesting is it's, it's more about like, I can't control anybody's judgment. And of, and of course, most people on this planet, we all are walking around with judgment and subjectivity and self-criticism. And bottom line is, if something triggers you, if you're listening to someone or something, or you feel cringy about something that happens out in the world, mm-hmm. that's not about what happens in the world. It's about you. Mm-hmm. That's right. Work on it yourself, babe. Mm-hmm. Yep. You're cringy about something. And, and what's interesting about the podcast world is... I mean, the research that I did as much as I could, like, how do we do this? What are we doing? Because they want to hear about our behind the scenes um, mm-hmm. experiences, but mm-hmm. they also want us to talk about these characters like they were real people. That was a light bulb moment for me mm-hmm. when I was like, well, I don't really break it down like Julie and Summer are real people. It's like, why did they do this? And my answer is because it was written that way in the script. Right. right. <laughs> so when I, once I was like, oh, I need to talk about these people the way they talk about it, the 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 day after they watch the episode in front of the water cooler, they're talking about what Summer and Seth did, right? Mm-hmm. And why, and breaking it down. And that was when I finally started going, oh, I can say a lot of this. And in the beginning, when I started preparing so much stuff and doing so much research, I would make sure I'd get all of it out. Mm. And then I started letting go of that and saying, if any of this stuff comes up, I'm prepared to talk about it, mm-hmm. but I don't have to say any of it. And that's right. when it became a lot more delightful and organic. So like, I mixed in. I mixed in Rachel. Oh. It was, <laughs> well, it's like you baked it into the cake. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You threw it in as one of your tools, and it was on deck if you needed it. But yeah. it's it's not. I think it sounds like you found your confidence with it. Like, okay, I've done the research. I know what I know, and now let's just right talk about it. Right. Right. Well, and that's why. And then you know, from time to time, you have. You know, we were always trying to figure out, like, some guests were only in an episode for a little bit of time, and if I didn't feel like they were talking a lot, Mindy Mouth would take over, and I would talk a little too much. <laughs> That's um, me. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. And um, and then, you know what, also, one of the things, I can watch myself on camera, well, maybe not recently, but whatever, but um, oh. I didn't like listening to the podcast because I- You don't want to hear yourself? 
I had never put myself out there as me. Oh. I didn't even like doing publicity Mm. because I felt it was just, I wasn't, my, I've learned something about myself. Like anytime you do something new, I just, there's a comfortability curve, Mm -hmm. you know, that you put yourself in something new and it's like, uh, and I used to think of it as so negative. Now it's like, I've changed it around to being exciting and going back and listening on doing it remotely. That's why I wanted to come here today. I missed so many great opportunities because I didn't hear. Oh. There were some cool things that when I went back and watched like the McGee interview, mm-hmm. he said something because I was like, that was still kind of in the beginning and we yeah. were still, and that was just a conversation, which I loved doing when we didn't have fo- focus mm-hmm. on an episode. And he said something really cool and he mentioned something about Peter Roth, but I was already on to the next thing mm. and I didn't so missed jump it. on it. And I was like, that could have been a cool conversation. So being a great interviewer is a skill. It is. I don't know that I have it, but I, <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. It's, it is. And you, it's hard because you have to be constantly present and listening. So that's why like the prep stuff keeps you a little in your head. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which is, and then you did, like you said, like you, once you let go of that, you had fun. Right. Right. And were able to just like, oh, let's shoot the shit with Michael Cassidy or whoever. Oh, well, and that, that's the thing. It's like having the guests that can have that. Um, I mean. Yeah. It's guest dependent too, for sure. Like who's willing to just riff. I think that remote thing was such a challenge. I wouldn't necessarily hear something like Katie and I were talking about it. And she's like, I said, you know, like we had so many technical issues. Like all of a sudden there was the recent one with Norman, where you had no video. Oh, yeah. So we were, and it's like a weird thing when she's not there and I didn't hear it. And Katie was like, you know, Rachel was trying to interject, Mindy. I was like, oh, shit. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. So well, you couldn't see me. I couldn't see I, well, I, Remember I, when your house flooded? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. And yes. she was like, I'm trying to do this and be folk, be present. And here I am and my house is having like an emergency. It was definitely, I was wearing wellies and yeah. It was Alex Pitsavis. Yeah. That's right. Wow. Good memory. Yeah. I am curious though, for you watching it, what was your emotional response? To the show? Yeah. (laughs) This is where the vanity shit comes in. I want to, that's what we want to hear though. We all deal with it. Well, I'm so grateful for the show. I loved it. I had watched it over the years. I'd watched it when the show was on. I was a true fan of the show. In fact, when the show ended, I was super, super interested in why it had burned so bright and how it came to an end. Just because I was also aware, not in detail, of the general atmosphere of the cast and crew and, you know, that it kind of ended with not the greatest of, and now that we know that Josh and Stephanie both had the word failure they used in their heads uh, as the show ended. And we, mm. they've rethought that now because I think it was such a huge success. Mm-hmm. But they had some very, it was very sad for a lot of people. And mm-hmm. then some people were just like so ready to move on. Right. So I was comfortable with it. Um, I think what's interesting is because now I'm excited at this point in my life for the first time of a new agency. And, and I was like, wow, for the first time in my life today, even. I don't have, I'm, the podcast is done. Um, CG's graduating from college. Mm-hmm. I'm, I got a fabulous life. I'm super happy, joy, attitude of gratitude, all those things that actually have been working on really seriously for the past like five years. And it's the first time I can actually do things for myself. Mm. And which means it's like, you know, when you lose the thrill of like 
acting or you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Rachel knows she's, you know, when you're a mother and it's like you have to travel far to a diff- different country or a different city. Um, it's so challenging to enjoy your work. And it's like actors, we complain when we work, we complain when we're not working. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to live in a complaint-free world. You know, I've got a rule. You say it once, it's a fact. You repeat it, you're complaining. So there you go. <laughs> I love that. I'm like, yeah. So I didn't sleep well last night. Fact. Don't need to hear it again, you know. Right. Oh, my <laughs> husband will like that if I could adopt <laughs> that one. Yeah. Right. And it's because it's the more we can, comp- if if you can learn to live, so you can think it in your head, but try to, you know, less is more. This Mindy Mouth needs to sh- no one to shut up. <laughs> the, the less I say, it's amazing how that has an impact on your relationships and your life in, in general. Like it's, you know, save it for the right audience. If you need to vent, you know, mm-hmm. use it for your therapist, you know, try not to, I try not to do it to my husband. And even if I need to, it's like, do I have permission to do this right now? I need this to be really clear in communication. Yeah. Wow. Uh, That's impressive. <laughs> it's, 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 it's vigilance, like yeah. constant vigilance because this mind, this magnificent mind that we have, I've, I learned over the years that my brain has the ability to create hell on earth. That's right. Everyone's does. Yeah. And right. this, this negative self-talk that we've been doing to ourselves all the time. And, and, and especially when you go through a divorce or you're in a stressful situation and there's real things going on in the world or in your world specifically, and then you react to it in a dramatic way. And I'm fear-based and I'm a victim and I'm, living in fight or flight perpetually for years and your body knows no different. And then you hit menopause and then your hormones and then your mental, everything just domino effects and your blood work is coming back funky and all that kind of stuff. And at some point it's like, I don't want to live like this because my emotional, it was affecting my health. Yeah. And it's just a, I'm not exactly sure how it got on that. But we've never talked. We've never talked personally on our podcast. Right? It was no, that's why MC. I'm so this happy. This is what we want. Yeah. yeah. This that's is what we theme. care about. Right. Yeah. And you know, when you say that, I say this a lot. They say it takes ten positive um, responses to counteract one negative. Is it ten? Because there was a five to one for a long time. They've been saying ten, and now if and I believe that. Yeah. So think about that. All those free flowing negative thoughts. Tend to balance, tend to balance, tend to balance, tend to balance. That negative experience. Yeah, no. So when I say like pure negativity, I would say 80% of my every, at some point became my just natural responses to everything, everything, getting up, going to bed, Mm -hmm. doing the dishes, um, everything was a negative and it comes from just habitual. Yeah thing that right. you do for over 40 years or whatever it is. And so then when you go deep dive in therapy to figure out, okay, I'm going to figure this out from, oh, it started my, my dad was a, you know, you never knew it was going to come out of him because, and then that be- makes you hypervigilant and then you're sensitive. And so you go back and you figure it out in your childhood. And, and then it's like, oh, it's all great to figure all that out, but how am I going to apply it today? That's the question. I mean, it's not my, it's not my fault what quote, trauma may have happened to mm-hmm. me. It's my responsibility to fix it mm-hmm. or to, to heal from it. Mm-hmm. And and taking action and actually doing something about it instead of 
saying it the second time, <laughs> yeah, complaining, right. is that it's like, as long as you take action. So then I went to a place of complete like bliss almost. And now I'm coming back to a place of balance mm, yeah. because our bodies, we desire homeostasis mm-hmm. balance. And when you're like, I was very dramatic. And then you'd have these super highs and lows all the time. And now what some people might call boring, I call peace. Mm. Because I find gratitude and waking up and doing the dishes and cleaning. And, And the pandemic magnified a lot of that. Broad Ideas is supported by Quincy. I love to be cozy. I love to be warm. I love to be cozy and warm. Quincy's cashmere sweatsuits are so comfortable So soft, so pretty. I love the colors. I live in them. Shopping for clothes is a compromise. It often feels like I have to choose between saving up for an expensive luxury piece or settling for a cheap fast fashion item that won't last. That was until I elevated my closet with Quincy. With Quincy, I can get high quality, timeless pieces without paying that luxury price tag. I love my new cashmere fisherman sweater. It is so Cute. It fits me perfectly. And I love the color. I know you're wondering how they do it. Quincy partners directly with top factories to cut out the cost of the middleman and pass the savings on to you. What's even better? Quincy only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium, eco-friendly fabrics and finishes. So I can feel good about getting high-quality items that last longer. Shop with Quincy today and discover the affordable luxury you deserve. Right now, go to quincy.com slash ideas to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quincy.com slash ideas for free shipping, 365-day returns, quincy.com slash ideas. I always say this too because I love it and I try and remember it as much as possible, turning every single have to into a get to. Yeah. So even if it's the dishes, yep. like, oh, I have to do the dishes. No, I get to do the dishes because I have a home. I have a dishwasher. I ate a beautiful meal on these plates. Right. Like mm-hmm. as corny as that sounds, if you can practice it every day in that small way, not like I have to drive to Rachel's in the rain. Like I get to, mm-hmm. you know, I get to do this today in all shapes and forms. That helps drastically. Absolutely. When we were, t- it was funny. I was I think every actor on the planet right now, not every, but everyone that I run into, quite a few, can't stand the self-tapes that mm. they have to do at home because, mm. and it's, <laughs> and it's not- Have you booked a job off of self-tape? <laughs> well, it's, the last one was Nikita. Oh my gosh. That was, was a self-tape? Well, it was a self-tape that I sent in and then I came back to town and tested. Olivia just booked a job off of a self-tape. Nice. That we taped in this room. Yeah. That I taped her. Yeah. And she just fucking booked a part. Nice. Congratulations. Thank you. Yes. I don't know if this, you wanted this to be any of the announcement, but I couldn't not say it. That's okay. talking about it. Yeah. That's I was okay. so proud of her. And it was not an easy audition, Mindy. Yeah. It was like delivering like a baby. Like it was gnarly. And she fucking, yeah. So well, anyway, super proud today. And yes. It's hard to do. Well, I think that it's, but okay, so congratulations. Thank That's you awesome. So much. Because so many of my actors, they're like, 
we don't know where our, our tapes are going and we're missing that human connection. Like we're mm -hmm. talking about doing a podcast right now in the same room, seeing each other. It is different than doing it over Zoom. But I've been told we are not going back. Right. And it's just, and also there's a number of different things that go into that. And so I can sit here and debate and be angry or resentful about the fact that, you know, this isn't going back to in the room or I can make peace with it and fucking enjoy the process Yeah, because it's, and I, re, I remember a casting director, her name is Nan Dutton years ago. I don't know if you're- I remember that name. And she, I remember her, she was just making me audition over, over and over and over again for something before I tested. And at some point she was like, aren't you having fun? You're having fun. And I was bold enough to say, not so much. And she's like, why not? It's what you do. Oh. <laughs> and I, it never, it always stuck with me. And I realized that every medium requires something different. This medium of podcasting requires something different. Film, theater, um, commercials, what, whatever it is, know what's required for, and auditioning is a medium unto itself. And I think the hardest thing is finding a partner that will do it with you because I'll, I'll do it for four hours. Oh, yeah, <laughs> right. CG and Adam are like, uh, I've learned <laughs> how to get somebody on FaceTime and do it with me, mm -hmm. if possible. But then also picking the scene, that those, those are challenges. But there's something about it that I just love doing. That's right? awesome. I love doing. And yeah. I realize, and going back to your question about the OC, one of the things that I realized just this week that I was reflecting on I was a little sad. I was like, oh, God, what's wrong? And I realized because of my whole life, whenever I was a part of something, and the week after, mm -hmm. I get depressed. Yeah. I could go to musical theater camp, and I'd come home and go, what do I do now? Because right. I needed that constant stimulation. Yeah. But I was like, it's okay. It's temporary. Everything's temporary. Everything's temporary. I'll be fine. <laughs> and But then I started going, so what's next? I'm excited about what's next. But the thing that I came away from it was, oh, I'm looking forward to being part of something again. And yes. I need that. Mm -hmm. I need to, and I was like, I don't care if it's a play. Right. I don't, I, was, I had lunch with a friend of mine that we did musical theater camp. She's the, she works at, she's the president of Jim Henson Productions. And we were talking about our musical theater. Mm -hmm. uh, and I said, wouldn't it be fun to go back to adult musical theater camp? Oh my God. Would amazing. like get all, get all of our friends together and go, oh, it's in Idlewild uh, where we did oh it. Oh my God, how cool. Yeah. And we did plays in their amphitheater. And I'm like, we should just get a bunch of adults together do and do That's like so Oklahoma. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> we did Barnum. Yeah. Like, that was like, I find joy in just like the silly yeah. things. Or maybe do a movie with Gary Krebs. Oh my God. Uh, well, he sent you one. <laughs> Are you going to do it? No, I, I haven't. I haven't finished the script. So Gary, he was a, he played Bullet on the OC and this guy was larger than life character. Like, he was he would, like that You would recognize life. him. He's like a character actor. Like he's been in a ton of stuff. Yeah. Um, but we, he was on the OC during the interviews, like, Minnie, I'm sending you a script. Yeah. I haven't, oh I God. just, I haven't quite finished it. So I have to look, but, but, you know, producing is always something at some point you're like, I, if I never get in front of the camera again, I'm fine. I right. used to have this, you know, and, and yeah. producing is a great thing. Like I don't, the last time on camera and I wasn't like super happy. That was <laughs> no. kind of shocking to see like. You mean oh. Fantasy Island? Yeah. I was like. About? Holy, what do they do? And you know, it's like, oh, they did me dirty. Just because we're used to, because I've been watching those, see, and you can't oh, compare no. your thirties no. to that. And and then there's a little bit of like, there's that vanity of like, oh, my dermatologist, I just went to see because I get checked for skin cancer, and he's like, you know, we should do that CO two resurfacing and give What's you a little that? neck lift and oh. like, the, you know, he was like, we do this and it'll just look fabulous. And I'm like. 
first of all, I don't have the time or the money to do all that. <laughs> like that's like downtime. But yeah. But you know, somebody says it. He's been telling me for twenty years we should resurface, and it's like, what is it? Like the CO two laser, where like that's the one that goes deep, and you you end up your whole oh when you look like red and yeah, and then it comes off and it takes off all that. It's like, different than micro needling. Yeah, that that uh, that's yeah, it is. <laughs> so speaking of vanity, yeah. What is your relationship with it and watching yourself from in your 30s to where you're at now? Because we think that this is such an important conversation Yeah, like as far ageism. as aging in, especially in the public eye is yeah. different than, you know, what other people experience, right? Well, it's, it's there. It's present. I mean, because we are on a show that was Look, I know there's this whole conversation about how we present ourselves on social media and filters and all that kind of stuff. I think there's a place for it. And then there's a place not for it because we have to remember, I was just watching Nicole Kimmon in The Undoing last night and um, up close. And I was like, we have to remember that this is considered art. We're framing and lighting and cameras with lenses are shooting these actors. Plus in post, they can do all kinds of things. And I think it's our responsibility to not compare because I'm the same age as she is. And I haven't like, I'm like, whoa. She's, she's done, like, she doesn't have like a wrinkle, right? Yeah. Like it's pretty. You don't look. And smooth. and then, but the thing that I find myself, I, I tend to gravitate when I'm watching TV. I gravitate towards the actresses that are my age and haven't seemed to have had work done. Mm-hmm. And I'm like. I'm doing that now that, with my age. Yeah, like, yeah. Looking I at think that's other common. Actors, right, you know. Right, and and it's there. There's there when you get put when you're on a show like The OC and you're and there's a Julie Cooper, the MILF. Yep. Like and and you kind of you're get, still the MILF. Mindy. I'm a reluctant MILF. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm like no. <laughs> I was like okay, <laughs> fine, because <laughs> that wasn't necessarily. But there's a, but, and then you do see these auditions that come up and they'll say the beautiful, stunningly beautiful. And I'm like, I, you know, sometimes I'm like, are you sure that's me? Yeah. Okay. Uh, but you, you second guess it. But then it's like, I find myself watching all the British shows or something where everybody looks so normal and natural yeah. and not so like Nicole Kidman. Nothing against she's lovely. I'm like, but it's, but yeah, sometimes but when you're it's like, distracting it's when there's the, nothing there. She's so stunning and so beautiful that it's like, it almost distracts from, but uh, so like, I hate my neck right now. Like, honestly, like I was like, oh, what is that? Like, but it's more of like a genetic thing. And it's like, like saggy. And I was like, oh, I don't like my profile. Or but we just, I'm just like everybody else. I find yeah. things like if I had two things, it would be my neck and my, but the thing that I hate the most about getting, my feet. What's I, up with your feet? My, <laughs> so my, I had this beautiful, beautiful feet. Just like if you wanted to, if I'd wanted to be a ballerina, it would have been beautiful. Model. <laughs> well, apparently genetically, because my mom was a ballerina, she, I have bunions now. And I can, all of my shoes, my lovely shoes that I had over the years, I I keep, I still have them like I like my feet are going to change they don't fit oh, I, no. I only have a very limited I have to have wide now and a lot of it came from wearing really high heels and like for instance like Nikita and it was just going to genetically happen but like my feet and although my skin's better than it's ever been great I mean so so there's like focus on wait bunions happen they can just come up yes, later men yeah so they can hmm. they're genetic <laughs> and I can't believe I just said that. But <laughs> we get so, real here. Yeah. But but there's there's so many things like 
yeah, aging is difficult. The, my menopause story is how old were you? Awful. What happened? Awful. Tell us. Uh, so I believe that it was early and it was induced by stress oh. because nothing's ever for sure. But if you want to look at like how your mom was, mm-hmm. like when she went through menopause, like how her first birth was, you know, all these things that you try to use your mom as a barometer for mm-hmm. these things. And the average age is around 50, 51. But I was doing Nikita mm-hmm. in Toronto and you've heard me say, mm-hmm. and that goes back to the um, the 10 to one, you're saying 10 yeah. to one. But everything was so negative. Going, I was going through divorce and then moving to Toronto. and While your kid was in LA. Well, and she was like, mom, I don't want to go with you. I just want to stay at my school. So right. I was like, okay. How old was CG when you got Nikita? 10. Right. And they're so, very set in their friend of yeah. course. And, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay. So it just, there was a number of things that happened where but she came with me to start because it was summertime. And then finding an apartment was kind of last minute and and then setting her up. It's like, you know what it's like just going to a new oh, yeah. country with a child mm-hmm. and she's very unhappy about it. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then all of a sudden it was, you know, it was the first show or series I'd done after the OC. Mm-hmm. And I just I didn't realize how much I was grieving or having some kind of PTSD from getting divorced and moving and all that kind of stuff. Because I couldn't memorize my dialogue. Oh. And it, I had monologues of dialogue. And it's like, well, now I've learned that when you're going through anything like grief, your first thing that goes is your short-term memory. And really? Kelly was telling hmm. me, Kelly and I were talking about this. She Kelly had, Rowan. She had, when her mom passed, she had hmm. this similar experience because there's learning mode and survival mode. Yeah. And when you're in survival mode, you're just like, mm-hmm. and you're in, in adrenaline. We're designed to have fight or flight. Mm-hmm. Maybe 90 seconds, 20 minutes max. But when you're in it 24-7, then everything starts, it's adrenal, cortisol, it mm-hmm. affects your hormone system. So basically what I did was I thought I, I moved to Canada thinking that I was going to be there for four years. That was my brain. I'm going to take all this stuff with me and I'm going to mm-hmm. ship my car and everything. I was able to end up flying back and forth like almost every three weeks just to see CG. But I was also, you're on a series and it's an action show and you're shooting 24 hours a day or you're shooting 18 hours a day. And I didn't even do as much as the crew did and it, it was exhausting for them. But then I'd jump on a plane. I'd work all night, jump on a plane, mm-hmm. go back. So my circadian rhythms were off and it was just like high stress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. getting Just getting it done. And I had to figure out how to memorize my dialogue. And I found that walking on the treadmill, running on the treadmill and just doing it hours and hours on end, whereas I used to spend maybe an hour before. And just look, mm-hmm. yeah. Just, you just have to go, do it and do it and do it. And now I've learned since that most actors, really good actors, Robert Downey Jr. or, or Bill Nye will talk about his process of hours and hours of memorizing dialogue so you don't have to think about it. Mm-hmm. So you can throw it away. Mm-hmm. Like your research. Yeah. And, that's, <laughs> and that's, yeah. now that's what I do. So but um, so, that so there was a lot of that going on and there was just, it was just high. And then the first thing was like 2012, I missed my period. Mm. And I was like, oh shit, I'm pregnant. I cannot oh. be pregnant. Like that was like my first thing. And I was like, oh. and then that didn't happen. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Next year, same thing, miss again. I was like, oh, that's huh. really weird. And by 2014, like 45 years old, all of a sudden I was like done. Wow. And I- then afterwards, I was like, I went to these functional medicine doctors and they were like, your adrenal system. Now, 
this isn't a true medical term, but they they say it too. But your adrenal system is shot, adrenal fatigue. Yep. You've been in cortisol, you know, and it's not technically a medical term, but there is something to be said for a nervous system being dysregulated. And mm-hmm. they're like, you need to just sit for two years. Oh my God. And I was like, and uh you know and you need to like you know figure all this out and it took a little bit of time but eventually you know my father passed right when I was ready to get back to work pandemic happened and it was just like this whole thing of like okay <gasps> the world is turned off right it's quiet there and when Hollywood shuts down every, like my brain was like there's no job to get what do I do with myself oh now I'm going to do some deep work mm-hmm. and figure out some stuff. So that stuff started when the pandemic started. You doing the work and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Well, like really deeply because, mm-hmm. you know, just when you're like, yeah, because it's it's so, and so the menopause thing was, it was so bad. <laughs> I was getting hot flashes like every 15 minutes. Oh my God. And I had, you know, my iPhone, Adam had bought me these little plug-in fans that I could literally just go around and I'd be everywhere with it. And women would come up to me and say, that's brilliant. Where'd you get it? I'm like, four bucks, Amazon. you like, you just plug it in so you never knew. Right, that's And it genius. would come up and I, I mean, so I had, to, I had to analyze like what's causing it. Anything yeah. from spicy food to emotions to loud noises. Ooh. When you're like, you know, so you don't realize you're shell-shocked, alcohol, anything that, so I start eliminating everything in my and trying not to, just to constantly be vigilant. And Mm -hmm. then everything started to subside. Like even eating too many carbs or something Mm. could bring on a hot flash. And then because we couldn't really do much, that peacefulness from the pandemic, everything magnified, just that healing of, you know, a lot of therapy, a lot of talk, Mm -hmm. a lot of everything. And and CG, Adam and I, you know, because we'd gone through divorce, I got remarried. It was challenging for everybody. It was a decade of like some pretty high, high stress. Mm-hmm. But the wonderful thing is to have come out of that mm. to now, right. if I hadn't gone through all of those difficult things, because you'd never predict how difficult it is. And also taking ownership of how I now can react to the world. Because how are you going to react when the world happens? Mm-hmm. And I was a dramatic, negative Nelly. Mm-hmm. Do you feel different in, in your responses night and day? Oh, absolutely. It's an interesting thing. So recently I had lunch with um, Shane West. He was a co-star on oh, yeah. Nikita. Sure. We were talking about it and I was telling him, I was like, God, you know, Nik- Toronto was so hard because this is my narrative. It was so hard. The same thing that I basically told you guys. But he goes, God, Mindy, I don't remember that at all. <laughs> you were so like, you were just so fun and we had a great time. And I was like, uh. I need to go back and rethink this because my narrative has become very negative. And it was like, wait, I've been blaming the city of Toronto (laughs) for my, and I realized how much one of my flaws was the assignment of blame. Mm. Blame the ex-husband, blame Mm. Hollywood, blame Toronto, you know, as opposed to going, wait a second, what if I was just doing the best I could? I was just in survival mode and you did great. You never right. fucked up. You never b- had a blooper and you did 10 pages of dialogue. Like, you know, all those things like, and I, because I used to tell people oh, I was going to work with a knife to my throat because I did feel like that. Right. Because somebody had to pay the bills. You mm-hmm. know, it was like seizures in school. in private school. Yeah. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and I was like, if I can't maintain this, I was like, wait a second. 
you're never going to be all those things. You're not going to be homeless. Like those things that you create in your mind, like your biggest fears, they're never come true. And that's why I say my brain was creating this stress that wasn't there. Mm -hmm. And if I, so now I'm like, wait a second. Yes, there were a few times when I was leaving Sherman Oaks and CG was running down the street going, mommy, don't leave me. I can't. (laughs) And I was heartbroken. And then I, there was one time she was staying with a friend and I called my friend and I'm like, how is she? And she's like, she's fine. And, you know, right. Yeah. And, but I didn't realize I was suffering from a broken heart. Yeah. Like oh, a mama. true <laughs> broken cry. heart. I know. I know. It's so, it's. I was thinking about that because when you, your little girl goes, Mommy, can't you just work at the Whole Foods? <laughs> right there. <laughs> that was around the corner from your house. I'm like, you want to go to Oakwood? <laughs> she was like, and she literally was like, I just, and then she, and then my mom, oh my God, we're going to start great. <gasps> um, one time she was, she, my mom was in Dana Point and she, my daughter and CG would go to camp with her or she'd go to like surf camp down at my mom's when like, because I think Ernie had to be out of town and I had to be in Toronto. And shit, she, my mom told me recently that she just, she was like 11. She's like, I miss my mommy. Oh. And she would just cry. And they would just cry. cry. No. It's like so I can't. Triggering. I can't. I can't even look at her. Oh my God. <laughs> it's so hard. So, so fucking hard. hard. Um, oh. But there's a way of going through that without being selfish too. Because I realized that that guilt and that shame or that like I'm responsible for a divorce. I'm responsible for... And it's like, I'm, if I'd been a little bit healthier or had learned what I know now, I'd have been able to say, that's okay. It's okay yeah, you miss me. Mm-hmm. And, and I could have told myself, Mindy, you're safe. You don't have to be afraid of the world. Like every day I got up like I was in a foxhole. Oh. Like, you don't have to be like, why are you creating that? Because, and it's like, and, and being negative being scared they're they're real things and they're important when something real is going on but if nothing's going on all it's doing like worry is the most useless emotion on the planet mm. right like, it does get what does it do tell me one thing worry helps with and I mean, and i think it starts when we give birth i mean i remember these moments of it became very vulnerable when all of a sudden i remember one time I was shooting the ghost whisper and we shot late and CG was with Ernie and I came home and it was one of those like long, long weeks of working and shooting nights. And it was four in the morning and I was taking a shower and I just remember this very, very specifically that I thought, what if somebody were outside my house right now? And it became real. Like my, it was like, oh, do I hear something? Do, you know, where you, you're, and, you're, and you don't realize the simplest things are the answers. Like, why are you having so much anxiety? Because you're in survival mode. Because you had a stressful day. Because CG was crying this morning. Because all of these things that I only knew how to react with fear. Mm-hmm. And then your body doesn't know the difference. No, it just, it just registers it. And it's like, oh, here we go. And then I've created that somebody was outside of my house and I was all by myself. And I was like, and I, and I remember thinking like, t- to this day, it's like, 
our our minds are so powerful, right? They're so powerful. So if one is dealing with some serious depression, it's okay, but the practice, it's really important to take action and try to practice that positivity. And I don't, I mean, at some point, I'm sure I was toxically positive. <laughs> toxically <laughs> There's toxic a bridge, positive. right? There's some like, you know, where, you know, it's like, and, and, and it's, it's difficult to debate somebody that like, you know, for a while there it was like, I just, I can't go to anger because anger re- re- represents fear. Like some people can just, I'm angry at the world and I'm allowed to be that way because all this shit happened to me. If you're putting it on other people, it's highly unattractive. Negativity and- Well, it's also not real. Nobody's responsible for creating in your world, Yeah. right? It's only your perception and you have to take responsibility for your perception, right? Right. You can't, I can't create in your world, you can't create in mine. Mm-hmm. Not to say there aren't victims, of course there are victims, but- the most powerful work is how do you get right-sized with everything, Yeah, right? So you're not dramatic. You're not skipping over it. You're not any of those things. You're getting right-sized with it. What is an appropriate response to this, mm-hmm. right? And in every way, shape, or form, I feel like people are either trying to jump the response or undercut it. Right. And that's why I think there's something to be said for... Look, we're all narcissistic and survivors and like at our core, because when anything happens, I remember when we had to tell CG that we, you know, or we went to a psychologist, a child psychologist and said, we're going to tell her that we're splitting. How do we do this? She said, well, the word divorce is like fire to a child. And she's going to think about herself because, you know, but she's a survivor. And, you know, and sure enough, when we told her, her first thought was like, what's going to happen to me? Like, yeah. like, how does this affect me? And one of the things as adults, when, when our partners or people around us are going through things, first of all, it's not my fault that my husband had a bad day and, and I don't need to take it personally. Mm, yeah. And I used to do that, like, what, what, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to, I'm really sorry you had a bad day. I'm here for you. Or you're giving me this info. Do you want me to just listen or do you want to process it with me? Like, what do you need from mm-hmm. me right now? It, that communication is so key. And, you know, I mean, for a long time, you know, the narrative is you're blaming, like I said, you're blaming an ex-husband or constantly blaming if that's my, <laughs> right. one of the things that I do. But the power of actually letting go of things is so freeing. What was your process though in letting go? Because it's not that easy, right? Mm-hmm. The the idea of letting go is simple, but how did you actually do it? What got you to the point where you could be like, you know what, I can let this one go? Uh, well, a lot of talk, a lot of therapy. You know, we did some marriage counseling. Um, there's the four agreements. There's like Eckhart Tolle. There's a lot of this. Yeah. Um, there's just a lot of self work in that. I started working on myself. And working on that, like, no complaining and trying not to be negative and just not verbalizing things. And it's amazing how things actually develop Mm -hmm. in that way. And that all of a sudden, the better I got and I wasn't blaming or you're not engaging in something negative, the better my husband got. 
And CG's done her own therapy. And it's almost like personal boundaries for ourselves, like like healthy boundaries where yeah. we where we respect each other and say, okay, what do you need from me? Even if it's I think a lot of the emotion that I was always doing was like I didn't realize it was self-centered. Mm. I didn't realize that my overreaction, like CG will tell you that like I was like an overreactive. You know, she she's not taking responsibility for as a teenager for her actions. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, but, but I, years there. <laughs> but like you said, I didn't realize I always wanted to break the cycle of being an overreactive. Um, like my dad was pretty overreactive. He was he was he could be a rageaholic from time to time. He was like amazing out in the world, and then at home it was like walking on eggshells. You never knew mm. when he'd blow up. And that I've learned teaches teaches that hypervigilance. When you walk in the room, you're always checking to see. Like, just yeah. what do we got today? <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Or, or I cared about, you know, I cared about what people think and especially like Hollywood. Right. Hollywood is like so judgmental and you realize like, wait a second, you know, I had some things, it's like I was angry at my dad and then I realized I'm like, wait a second. I think the work that I did like on my relationship with my dad after he had passed was really important, some grief counseling and such where it was like, oh, I could have avoided all of this emotion by just accepting who he was. Mm. We have to accept our parents like, and try not to change them when you're realizing you're trying to, uh, you know, that's a really t- difficult one. But it's one. also, I think, hard like growing up with a parent when you are walking on eggshells because I think that can kind of train you and how you, like you're saying, you yeah. know, when you go in a room like, oh, what's this person going to be like? And it, it's very formative, like what you're exposed to as a child. And yeah. so not everybody does the work to kind of But that's the thing that. too, right? You have to do the work. You can't right. just, otherwise it's a spiritual bypass. And if you go to just accepting without the processing, mm-hmm. then it's a bypass and that's all still in there, Yeah, right? Laying dormant or silent and it comes out as resentment or hostility or any of those things. But like, in order to accept, we have to process first. Right. And I'm 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 past the processing point. And it was like it was a really wild, well not wild, but when I realized that, oh, a lot of this was it it was such a weird thing when you realize you're blaming because the here's the thing, the world is neutral. I mean, there's certain situations we know that are just inherently bad. Mm-hmm. Like and we get them every week, just like this week. Mm-hmm. But it's a neutral situation until I apply a positive or a negative, which means that I'm constantly going through the world judging everything. And to become, you know, I saw the Dalai Lama was recently asked, I saw something on TikTok where somebody said, what do you have to say about negative thought? And he goes, two things. <laughs> <laughs> One, negative thoughts are self-centered. And two, your reality is false. Groovy. It's just simple as that. <laughs> because when you realize that, you know, oh, and so now I am, I've been so practiced in that if I ever feel ill at ease, I go, hey, what is that? Let me check that out. Oh, you just made that up in your head. Mm-hmm. Don't give into it. Like, or if it's like something as simple as like, um, I sent a text to somebody and they didn't get back to me. And I'm, I'm usually not like that or something, but I was expecting something sooner. And it's like, well, what's going, you know, and you create this narrative, what's of going course. on? What's going on? Of course. And it's like, that is so self-centered because right. it's like all about you. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've been doing that the past few days. Like everything's negative and it's all like how, oh, nobody wants to talk to me. Nobody wants, you know, like you have these things in your head that it's Mm -hmm. all about you and it's negative. Mm -hmm. But you're right. It is self-centered and it's false, but you create these things. And it's so, and like Olivia's always like, stop like giving yourself that narrative. What did you say to me yesterday? She said something like that yesterday. She was just like, let's try not to do that today. Get out of the hole. Get Quick, out of the hole. Abort. <laughs> yeah. Well, just don't do I, yeah. I think yesterday I was like, yeah, just don't. Like, let's just not do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think there's something to be said. I just realized how present, you know, oh, here's, that's the other thing that I, when all of this stuff we're talking about is like, it is so disruptive to have this constant obsessive thought of the future because anxiety is fear of the future, right? And depression is ruminating about the past. And you're, one or the other. And you literally cannot be present if you're doing that. Mm-hmm. You can't do both at the same time. Also, this idea that all my life I've been trying to get there. I want to get yep. there. But there is no there because when there gets here, it's here. That mm. it doesn't exist. Like there isn't over there. So this like, what am I doing right now? I'm talking to Rachel and Olivia. That's right. And being right here, that has taken me a lot of practice. Mm. Like in the podcast, that's a lot of practice. So there's so many life lessons that came from that because do you guys listen to the Huberman Lab? Have you heard of that? Yeah. So it's like the number one podcast. I was just listening to it. Peter Atia was on. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Yeah. So so that's like those, I'm so also, it's not just like, I'm so interested in being healthy, mind, body, spirit, because I didn't really have the spirit part down. Um, so, and I still don't quite know what that, what that is, but I'm trying to work on that. <laughs> I think you're, I think you're, I think you're in it. I think you're embodying it. <laughs> but he was talking about something that really resonated with me. He was saying that for 40 years, he was a negative self-talker mm. and he's super competitive. And all he would do is just really beat himself up. He's a highly successful doctor. And he literally had to seek treatment and one of the exercises, and he's like, there's no way you're going to reverse this. This is just the way my brain works. I'm negative and I beat myself up. And the one of the uh, exercises he had to do was every time he wanted to do that, he actually had to take out his phone and instead of talking to himself and being you know, mean to himself, he had to pick his best friend and record, hey, whatever his friend's name, it's okay. Pick yourself up. You just move on to the next thing. Be, be kind and treat yourself. And I thought, well, yeah, that's the same thing. If we talk to ourselves in the disrespectful, negative way, we wouldn't talk to our best friends that way. Mm-hmm. Ever. Ever. We'd be loving Ever. and no. nurturing right. and and tell them all of the amazing things that they possess and who they are and right. what we see. It's right. the same thing as when if you, Lori Gottlieb, you know, you put your the picture of you as a child on the mirror and you say like every day you you look at you say you suck <laughs> could you imagine you don't deserve to be here right? you're a loser right you you're never, not yeah and, and all of this stems from every single thing is i'm not good enough right i'm not good enough or you know like i just put all that time into that audition i've been doing this for 35 years right i'm okay to do an audition and move on right but yeah, if they're not coming, if you definitely, that's a constant rejection, mm-hmm. but you've got to move on. But it's hard. You, 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 I mean, it is hard, right? It, I think it's, I think there's, there's a difference in like after the OC ended, I think I said this on the podcast. I was like, I was nervous, you know, because there was, my brain was like, I've got to maintain this life. And the truth was, no, I don't. Right. 
what? Who said that's the rule? <laughs> and so when Nikita happened, I, I, my first reaction was like, oh, I can't do it. I can't, I can't leave this country. And then I was like, how do I say no to this? This is really, you know, it's the same, you know, it's still McG's company and stuff. So uh, it was more working out of desperation. Mm. And now I'm like, no, no, no. I have to have joy in what I'm doing. Right. It doesn't mean that there's not still obstacles or challenges, but, you sure. know, problems are just, you don't focus on the problem. There's just solutions. I always say there's no problems, just solutions. Yeah. And it's a practice that the time during pandemic helped because mm -hmm. we could only do so much. And it's like, I remember going like, because oh, all of a sudden there's no help. Look, this is first world problems. And it was actually a good thing. You know, you've employed a housekeeper all these years or something. And it's like, sorry, you can't come into my house anymore. And things that I hadn't done or like- <laughs> Humbling. Well, it, but, it, but then I was like, oh, wow, look at all the positive that comes from this. And I get this sense of accomplishment. And, you know, like for instance, like my business manager is just my accountant now. I do all my own stuff now because when you're an actor and you're traveling- they pay your bills. They, and especially before automatic payment and stuff, you've kind of set up this world where everyone does everything for you. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like, no, I can do that. Now I can do that. And it's the first time, it sounds odd, people, sorry, but it's the first time in my life where I'm just doing everything on my own because there's so much required. I'm an actor being on set all the time. You could not pay your bills on time, especially in a different country. So you have to have somebody doing that. So I see every cent that goes in and out. And I'd never done that before because somebody else was doing it. But I'm curious, Rachel, like, do you picture yourself going back on a series? Are you with all that? So this is a struggle I have. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to talk about without sounding, you know, no matter what I say, sounding like an asshole either way. Being a mom is number one. Mm -hmm. That is the most important thing in my life and to me. And now like I'm so involved. And I know what it's like to be on a series, be the lead of a series, you know, all that time away. It gives me massive anxiety. Like I passed on a job last year yeah. because I put my kid first, you know, and that was hard. It was hard financially. It was hard, you know, mentally just because you're like, but that was the right decision for me and for her because, you know, the last time I did Briar was three when I went back to work and I did a series and I was a lead and I was in every scene and like, it was extremely hard. Yeah. Um. So, you know, and it also like you don't uproot your kid when they're so settled in their school and their friends, like that would be really hard too. And would I move her to Vancouver or, and you know, so many things come into play and it's, it's really in the business we're in being a mother, like, I think that stuff needs more attention, you know? I feel like people talk about it and and the childcare element and all of that. Like, I, mm -hmm. I wish that they would be more, you know. Yeah. I mean, I remember you texted me and I was like, oh, sweetheart. Yeah. It's just so challenging. Yeah. It's like, follow your heart. Because, yeah. yeah. And I did. I was in you a did. therapy session and she did like a meditation with me and I like <laughs> got this sign and I was like, no, I have to do what's right for um, my kid, you know? Have you regretted it since at all? Well, the show didn't go, so. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's because sure you weren't in it. Well, I'm sure if it went and it was really successful, that would have been hard, you know, because that's also something like I, you know, provide 
for my kid and our house and, you know, like we have to provide. And so that would have been more challenging. So I'm grateful we kind of let it go. It's so much. I mean, there's so much. Women have the highest level of anxiety or mothers. And actually, they've done studies that mothers of special needs have even higher levels of anxiety. She has a... Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, mm-hmm. child. Oh. And What's that, the term? We don't know. Well, he's got a lot of terms. Well, he, <laughs> he's got special needs. He's neurologically divergent and has hearing loss and oh, wow. all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah. But and her anxiety is We healthy. were just talking you about that this morning. We were talking about it this I do morning. so much work. Like yeah. literally. Like you've ground yourself, put your feet on the ground every morning, meditate. I, <laughs> I do a lot of yoga. I do yeah. a lot of therapy. I work with... I'm sober in a program. That program helps me a lot. Mm-hmm. I have a supportive partner. I have the best friends support. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's, I, we were talking about it this morning about like the trauma of that alone mm-hmm. is its own trauma. We're talking about like trauma response therapy and like, mm-hmm. you know, all of that and what traumas we've all had. Have you, have you tried EMDR? I have. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I really liked it. I feel like it's something I would like to do more of. Mm-hmm. I have you done it? it? Have you done it? I haven't. Um, it, it was told to me. And you have to find a therapist who does it and believes in it. But it's been highly successful with um, vets yeah. coming home and some post-traumatic stress. And you have to relive that trauma, which is, for someone I know who's done it, um, was really hard. But it's one of the things that was holding this person back. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, finding and reliving it and the eye movement is, a, they found that it's very significant. I have someone. Oh, yeah. I do. She's amazing. I want to try it. She's in Santa Barbara. Yeah. Oh, really? You can, you can to, do it over Zoom. I did it over, over Zoom. Zoom? Yeah. yeah. Oh, you can do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. See, they call it, there's big T's and little T's. There's the obvious traumas of childhood, like big you know, yeah. trees and then Bangers. there's developmental trauma. And I was told that maybe I had developmental trauma because um, just from, child, you know, like we said, simply having a parent that could rage and because you don't end up having a self, although I was pretty confident as a child, but what you're trying to do is constantly be vigilant to everybody else's feelings as opposed to like, I'm good. I've got my feet on the ground. I belong here. Yeah. I didn't realize I probably am a people pleaser and that go out of my way to be, you know, people like, you're so great on set. And I was like, I sometimes, but I was like, it was a conscious choice, but maybe it wasn't always healthy, you know, because I like to have fun. I like to be around people and I, I have a great, you were always great like, attitude. You're, yeah. you've always been like out of that show. It, originally you asked me what it was like yeah, for yeah. me, right? How is it? Yeah. You were the, you were the best. Yeah, okay. like we, always. you always were like, you just always had such a great spirit and were fun and welcoming and loving and, you know, just an awesome personality. And yeah. always, that's why I, I asked you to do the yeah. MC podcast too. I was like, well, obviously it's Mindy. <laughs> yeah. Across everybody the board, loved everybody you. loves Mindy. You know, yeah. like yeah. you. Well, and it was such a lovely time. And I remember thinking like, I don't remember. See, my anxiety started before CG was born. Like, mm. stri- like when you, do you remember the moment that you started? Like, there's a difference between in your 20s when you're like going happy-go-lucky oh, yeah. and then, and then, you know. I had happy- nothing in my 20s. Like, I did not yeah. have. 
I did. (laughs) She did massively. Like my friends were really going through all that stuff, Mm -hmm. but it didn't happen for me until much later. Right. But yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Being a mom, I mean, it adds for sure. It does. Well, uh, and my sister passed away when she was 26 years old and that was 94. And about three years later, I started going... And there were some, like, I was on this TV show with an actor who was doing some really shady stuff behind people's backs. And people were like, watch out. And I'm like, what? He's saying bad things. about." And it was like, and I started going, whoa, like having, having all of these feelings of distrust and mm-hmm. like, be careful, you know? Um, and then I remember getting pregnant and I remember going to my, this is back in the days where it was like, I was pregnant and I had a baby and I went to my agency. Remember we were both at APA? Oh my God, yes. I yes. was too. She yeah. was too. And I remember at one point, Pamela mm-hmm. was like, she was like, <laughs> you need to show up here without the baby and <gasps> remind people how sexy you can be. What? And I was like, oh, oh, wow. They're not as excited about my child as I am. I mean, this is like still kind of, I mean, nowadays it was a very- That wouldn't happen now. Right. And it's very- very much was like the entourage feel of it Mm. all back then. And Mm -hmm. at one point, I remember when I was, I remember I auditioned for the original X-Men. Rebecca Romaine Uh ended up doing it, but I had auditioned and they were like, they want you to come back and you have to audition in a bikini, I think it was, but I was pregnant only a couple weeks. And I said, yeah, no, sorry. And my excuse was, I don't want to audition in a bikini. And my agents were mad at me. They were like, why not? It's Brian Singer. He's he's gay. Like that was the response. What? And I said, I'm not comfortable. And the bottom line was I couldn't do it because I was going to be giving birth when they were shooting, you know. And uh, but I remember him being angry. <laughs> and I thought they're re- that Hollywood is just not supportive of young mothers and pregnancy no. in general. And or now- old mothers. Any mothers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> any mothers. It's wild how much things have changed. I remember being on that that show that I was talking about and one of the executives of the company said, because I got married and he goes, during it, Ernie and I got married in 97. And the producer, he was like, you're not going to get pregnant, are you? <gasps> Even then that was like, so, and then I, you know, so it's like, it was always this like. So crappy. It was so odd. But when I did get pregnant, I would still go on auditions. And I remember going to, into an audition. I was wearing like capri black pants and a tight black shirt. So straight on, because I was literally just like a little basketball. Straight on, I didn't look like anything. And then I went into this audition and turned. And the woman was like, the casting director was like, what are you doing? Like, and I was like, what do you mean? She's like, you're pregnant. And I said, yeah. She was, well, I said, I'm due on this date. And this doesn't shoot until then. She was like, uh, how is that going to work? I said, like any other working mom, I got to work. Right. And it was like, <laughs> she looked at me like, you just wasted my time. And I said, no, I can still, come. like, you know, you want to stand up and say, you can't discriminate against right. me because I'm pregnant. Right. But, um, but there's I, a lot of that. Especially from women to women. That's what it, it, like men, it's almost like, okay, you don't get it. But for another woman, whether it's an agent or a casting director or anything to say it to another woman feels yeah. a, a little bit insane. Yeah. I feel like... uh I mean, th- that is the one thing that I feel like we're missing are those relationships with the casting directors mm-hmm. because it's just on tape. But um, but we still have to give them props for, you know, the fact is that more people can audition with self-tape than being in person now. So, right. there's so, so it makes it harder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is pretty insane. But don't you like the aspect of being able to do it until you get it the way you want it? Yes. And but the only thing is that... Um, 
it puts a little bit of stress on my partner because they're doing it over and over again. And, you know, I have like a few people that I can call from, but, you know, Adam's at grad school. So he's like, he doesn't have time to do it. Right. And, and also it's- I'll zoom you anytime. I was going to say, call me, okay. yeah. call me or Rachel. Okay. Yeah. Rachel had, <laughs> Rachel. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, that's I'm what sure we did. do. Um, okay. So we, we like to have some fun with some questions. Okay. Are you ready and open and willing? We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Did you or would you ever date or sleep with a friend's ex? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> you said you like to say that. I, I was thinking about this today. You were like, I think you're very Julie Cooper. And I'm like, mm, no. Well, because I'm not. In never, some ways, yes. I, in some ways. But I brought Mindy into Julie, I think. Because like the tequila and the dancing with the firemen, that was like Mindy. <laughs> <laughs> but never, never gold digger and never like man hungry. <laughs> right. No, I believe that. Yeah. So a good time though. Let me paint <laughs> a, a situation <laughs> though. Okay. Say I dated someone, right? And it's been, mm, I don't know, like 20 years, something like that, right? Not a true love, just someone I dated. If I wanted to set them up with someone now uh-huh. that's my best friend, would that be weird? No. See? Right? No. I set them up, though. Shh. Wait. Wait. So, oh, wait. You're married. I'm married happily with children. I dated someone a long time ago that she set me up with. Now I'm thinking I'd like to set her up with oh, him. Oh, okay. I was like, wait a second. You're yeah. married to the person that Rachel dated? <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, so is that weird for you? Yeah, a little weird for other reasons that I won't disclose okay. on the podcast. Okay. But it, it wasn't some no, that's, great that's, love of my life. There. There's big distance there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. His penis has been inside her. <laughs> like <laughs> once. That magical mind of yours. <laughs> <laughs> um, how much eye contact do you like during sex? That's, uh, I listened to your Whitney Cummings episode. Oh my God. And I'm so shocked that... She's, first of all, a fabulous guest and talker and so many wonderful things to say. And she's talking, you say one tiny little sentence. And that and fucking, that's what gets I extrapolated. I, I do you believe that? Hello. And in context, like it was just a conversation. Yeah. And they took that one thing out yeah. of a three-hour conversation where Whitney had amazing things to say. Right, right. I know. And then, I, <laughs> then today I was like, oh. Did that happen to me too? No, no, actually, no. I was, I was capable of. Doing I, but that. They, they're like misconstruing it, like it was my first orgasm, well, which is not. That's what, not even what not you said. True. It's not what I said. No, no, no. And it's, um, yeah. And also, I think here's the thing because I was like trying. I was like, what's the difference? Oh, just because you dated other celebrities, yeah. right? That was the only reason. Okay, but no. But I think there is something to be said for that age around forty. That was if you find the right person. Uh huh. But and I married to, him. Right. And there then it was go. like, whoa, I've never had this experience before. Got it. Yeah. And where I've had plenty of experiences, but right. this was worth, this was marriage worthy. <laughs> but it was also kind of like, I used to say this thing, like um, there was something that was different for me to like mm-hmm. all of a sudden become open. Right. And try think like, and it was more this feeling of like, you deserve me. I feel mm. safe with you. Safe. And you, it's you deserve feel safe. Me. Sure, sure. I didn't have any like 
Like, it was just like, yeah, let's try that. Yeah, let's try that. Right. How fun is this? How long is it fall? Hours. Whoa. <laughs> but we're, well, I mean, we're kind of in that, where that was that honeymoon phase. But Right. Yeah. Right. But yeah, it's a comfortability. And yeah. 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 And, Which also is like, sure, it's partner dependent, right? But it's mostly, you probably called in a partner you were more comfortable with because you were more comfortable with yourself at that time, Right. Maybe. Or, you know, I mean, it's kind of... How old were you when you met Adam? I was 38, but we didn't date until I was uh, 39, 39. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. I, but eye contact, how do you feel about that? It's not always been my thing, but I can work. Because <laughs> I know my partner likes it. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Do so guys I, like it more than girls? I yeah, think so. I, I think, so, think too. so too. Because I'm like they're visual. Know. Yeah, I'm like I don't need to look. I don't want to look at your eyes. <laughs> I need <laughs> you to know, look in your then, eyes. But every once in a while, like you know, you might have okay sex with somebody, but you might be pissed off at them. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you feel like oh, it's a, a duty. But anyway. and yeah. then uh, but then when you I don't know, there's there's a lot when you want to give, when you find yourself wanting to give to someone mm -hmm, and right. really then it, that's a different experience because there's at one point I was like, I'm a demisexual, I, you know, like yeah. somebody who can only connect like emotionally or something. But then, but wait, then is that the it, term? Wait, what does that Isn't mean? Is that the term? I think it's, um, you can only connect with somebody emotionally, not physically. Oh. Or oh. you have to get to that physical. I could be sick. I could be really messing that up, but I think it has to look it up. Look it up. That you have to connect with someone emotionally to to connect with them physically. physically. I don't think I'm. I think that, that might be a simplistic way of saying it. I do yeah. like to have an emotional connection, though. I hate it. No, uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Demisexuality is a sexual orientation in which an individual does not experience primary sexual attraction, the type of attraction that is based on immediately observable characteristics such as appearance or smell, and is experienced immediately after a first encounter. What? So it's saying it's demisexual people only feel sexually attracted to someone when they have an emotional bond with the person. Oh, God. There it. we go. Okay. So I, you know, but then <laughs> I was like, but actually, no, the latter was more prevalent. Like smell, smell is a big oh, one. Yeah, Pheromone, huge. the smell of, yeah. 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 Oh, that's massive. Yeah. Um, what's the biggest risk you've ever taken? The biggest risk? Yeah. Coming here today. Driving <laughs> <laughs> in the rain from Ventura. I mean, seriously. <laughs> the sun's coming i don't you know mm. it's like it was it was hard to get divorced yeah yeah i think that was how old was cg when you guys divorced well we separated in, when she was eight okay and then it wasn't finalized so shoot 2011 and the truth be told i don't recommend it unless you can be really good and solid for your kid i mean and good co-parenting and you know i mean it's it's just really it could be a challenge. You're saying you don't recommend divorce. I it's just like I don't I mean I'm not saying that I wouldn't do it again. I just I wish that I'd had a little bit more prep in my own mental mm -hmm. health mm -hmm. and that I'd handle the those next 10 years a little bit better. Because it like you, you as I explained, <laughs> it was a yeah. little bit stressful and I didn't realize how much grief and how cuz I thought, you know, it's like what we both want. And we're doing this. And and it just was, it was highly like, I don't know what's going to happen each day for, mm -hmm. for a number of years mm -hmm. kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that's a common response from people that get divorced. Like, don't do it. Like, unless it's something that is really 
obviously toxic or whatever that people don't anticipate how hard it's actually going to be. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize, I mean, CG would have to tell you herself, but I didn't realize how, because she's such a sweet, happy kid, there was not a lot. Like she loves people. She loves, so, you know, she was just like this happy go lucky kid. And it was definitely challenging for her. And like that, like, I'm not going to cry again, <laughs> but what, what it did for her. And, and you just, and then also feeling responsible for the other person and your child, like, but I just wish we'd gone about it a little better. I mean, I think ours was better than some, but it wasn't, it wasn't super. How's your relationship with Ernie now? It's fine. I don't really talk to him yeah. that much. I mean, he lives in um, Indiana. Right. And. But she has a good relationship. With oh, yeah. Dad. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I got remarried. I mean, all of that, if you talk to her, it was probably really hard for that. But my narrative now, my story is like, we're all fabulous today. Mm -hmm. And that's all that matters. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, we've been talking about the past in this podcast, but we're here to talk about how we've come through. And like, after talking to Shane, I'm like, I'm not going to bash Toronto anymore. <laughs> because that was basically, Shane it wasn't West that bad. Was it wasn't that bad. Teacher. I'm, like, I'm going to go rethink that. Huh? Right. I'm going to talk about the positive. Good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, at one point when CG's like, she'll discuss negative things that happened. And I'm like, and I want to say, well, what about the positive? Is there any positive? And she might be in a place where she can't, we can't remember positive. Yeah. You know, and, and I've realized I, I'm dropping that weight of she's on her own journey. She's safe. She's adulting. I'm here to help her on her journey and not judge it mm -hmm. and not take things personally. And I'm not, I mean, some of the things, some of the pain that she had was caused by myself and her dad, but I'm also not living in that. It's now her job to navigate her life through that. It's her curriculum. Mm -hmm. And it had to go that way because it did. Right. Right. Do you have any, because I kind of deal with this. Do you have any guilt or did you about her being an only child and not having a sibling to go through things with, go through life with? Did that ever cross your mind? No. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because there, there's a moment where we sat CG down, Adam and I, where we said, hey, CG, we have something to tell you. And she goes, what? <laughs> like she was like 14, I think, or something. And we're like, we're getting married. She was like, oh, thank God. I thought you were going to tell me you were pregnant. I do not want a sibling. Oh, oh. <laughs> I want to be an only child for the rest of my life. Well, was it a thought that you would have maybe had one with Adam and she shot it down or no? No, I think, um, I don't think it was in the cards for us to do that. Yeah. I don't, I mean, every once in a while, I think Adam has said like, man, I didn't. But then he 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 has a fleeting moment of like it would have been nice or but then he's he's also a teacher so he's like I'm, I'm good I'm, I'm good he's got his bill <laughs> yeah right yeah yeah but do you think you obviously have thought that I do think about that yeah yeah, yeah you know but you know it's also really nice yeah right now just us so I gotta say like when you think it's just an insurmountable. I don't know, just life. It's just like there are moments where I'm just like, oh, I've just been so like, this is so difficult. And I just, I'm so in such a good place and so happy and I've done so much work that if I hadn't gone through all of that, I don't think I would have been here. Right. You wouldn't have been. Because you have to survive and you have to learn from it. Mm -hmm. Everything you yeah. have to learn from. You do. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're in an amazing place in your life. It seems like you just entered like- yeah. 
a whole new chapter, which is really good. And I'm really glad that you are open about it because so many people would just look at you and think one thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Milf. Think, exactly, <laughs> that's what I was going to say. You think that MILF is just thriving. No, but it's so nice for you to have, like us to have this conversation, which yeah. is, you know, yeah. more real and really knowing the real Mindy, which is, you have so many beautiful things to share. Yeah. And I think people will really get a lot from it and respect it. And it's so nice to have that other layer and to see it. And yeah. obviously I know you know, some and most and how amazing you are. And I'm just happy that you're here and willing to be open to share yeah. it with everybody. Well, I think it's like the fact that that Huberman Lab is the number one and it's literally all about mental health. At some point, I think I went kicking and screaming into adulthood. I think Ernie and I kind of like, I was like, at some point it's like, okay, childish ways are over. I'm interested in being in this new chapter of like being an adult mm -hmm. and yeah. also thinking about mortality and health. And it's not just because I went through some mental health issues that became stress. Literally, you can eat right, you can exercise, you can sleep right. But if you're highly, highly stressed, it just negates everything. Mm -hmm. And everything that I do, whether it's like, okay, I'm going to eat low carb or I'm going to, you know, calorie restrict or I'm going to exercise. Those aren't just for vanity, which there's part of it, but it's also because I'm trying to stave off disease. Mm -hmm. yeah. All of inflammation and heart um, issues and all of those things can be, in my world, for my body, can be hopefully helped by diet and exercise and, and being healthy. It's all stress. Mm. That's all mm -hmm. diseases is stress yeah. in the body. Yeah. Right? And I had a lot of inflammation. Mm -hmm. There was a couple years in there where all of a sudden I was like, like, and I can always tell if my rings are tight, like I, my body reacts to things and uh, very easily. I remember the one time on Nikita and I went out with the, one of the producers and we had pasta and wine and pizza and everything. And I had a big day the next day. And then when I came back to work, the uh, makeup artist said, they really want to put some contour on oh, your face. What? And I was like, oh shit. It's like how puffy. <laughs> because, right. And so as actors, when you're told... And I know another actor from Vampire Diaries, I remember she was told she'd put on a few pounds and they came to her and they said, you know, we we hired you when you tested, you looked one way. And that, I don't know if they do that now. I, I don't think not. they can. I would hope I they do. I don't think they can. can do any of that anymore. That, all that stuff kind of sticks with you. Yeah. Are you kidding? Yeah, of course it does. Yeah. That's not, a, no. So, I, there's no way they can. <laughs> I don't think they can do that anymore. No. The fact that they did even... That, like, well, it's changed even just in a decade. Big right? time. Massively. Big time. Thank God, right? Well, and I think, you know, I have so many actor friends who are like, they're just not hiring women in their 50s. And I'm like, every audition I get is age appropriate. It's yeah. age appropriate and it is what it is. And you, I, I've got my feet on the ground and I deserve to be here and there's a place for me. And whether it happens tomorrow or next year or never happens, I still have to maintain that peace. Well, also the narrative, right? Yeah. And everything is narrative and everyone's got something to say, no matter what it is you want to do. Yeah, They're going to be like, oh, that's so hard or oh, this or oh, that. And it's like, yes, and I can also choose what I'm going to buy into, mm -hmm. right? Well, and because, and it's, it's a fine line and a slippery slope for any actor <laughs> with a little bit of neuroses going, Okay, I'm so excited because it's like I'm putting in all this work and I'm ready to go. And 
having some kind of expectation, it's like, oh, I can actually see myself doing that. And it just fizzles. You have to have the strength to just move on to the next. And instead of being fear of the future, I've trained myself to be excited yeah. about not knowing what's coming next. Mm -hmm. Because how how else? It the other way isn't healthy. Either way, it's a fantasy. You may as well win in your own fantasy. Yeah, right? I saw this little TikTok the other day of Michelle Williams talking about how she was very grateful, and I'm paraphrasing, but she was saying she was very grateful she didn't succeed at first. Like she auditioned for years yeah. before booking anything, she said, because it really taught her rejection and it taught her how to kind of get a thicker skin mm -hmm. and that she was grateful for that. And I was like, what a beautiful frame, right? Like anything that happens in those ways, we can say, oh, I'm really grateful for that. This is what it's teaching me. Right. Well, and and who knew that Bilson was going to send me an email? Mindy, it's Bilson. Do you want to do a podcast? I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but that was like what the universe brought us yeah. brought right. me. And instead of, I think the old me would have been like, what's a podcast going to get me? As opposed to how fabulous it was to reconnect with everybody from the show. That was the biggest gift. And all of the people that we worked with were letting us know that they listened to it and they just drive around town and they listen to the podcast. And because it was, and that has so much meaning yeah. to me, not like the old like right. attitude of, because it's, because it is what it is. It has nothing to do with what comes next. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. What a gift. It what sounds like gift. it was a real gift to you. Oh, absolutely. Super fun. Yeah. Plus Cassidy and, and the pearl necklace. Oh, you're wearing it. Yes. <laughs> there is a joke about, thank you. Sorry, I just said that really late. <laughs> <laughs> CG said she's going to steal it. Oh, <laughs> so we had a joke Michael Cassidy did an episode with us and we kept joking about a pearl necklace and what a pearl necklace means. He didn't know? quite get it. He oh, okay. and then he, he did. He, he, and then he finally did. But anyways, <laughs> and that pearl necklace, the clasp is a handcuff. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so it was very appropriate for Mindy, a.k.a. Julie Cooper. <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> for many reasons. And that was her wrap gift because he wrapped the OC. Yes. Well, it was amazing going through that and on that journey with you. Thanks. And I can't <laughs> thank you enough. Thank you for doing it. And can't thank you enough for coming here today. Yeah. Oh, it, I'm so glad you guys are doing that. this. Yes. Yeah. Are well, you are you learning a lot? Yes. I'm <laughs> learning to shut my trap. No. no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. I'm just kidding. No, I yes, I am learning a lot. And it is interesting what, you know, is put out there on a magnified level. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, I love you so much. I love you too. Honey. Thank you for and being here with thanks, us. Thanks, Olivia. It's so Thank nice to catch you. up with you. Amazing. Bye, bitches. Bye. Bye. Hey, we're back. How was that for you? I love Mindy so much, and I love how open she is and willing to talk about real stuff, man. Did you know those things about her? Um, I knew a lot, like bits and pieces, you know, but I did learn some things for sure. Did you learn anything about yourself? Every day, Olivia. <laughs> did you? <laughs> I did. What'd you learn? I learned that, I don't know if it's about myself, but I learned, you know, what's really cool is that no matter who we talk to on our podcast, they seem to be going through some sort of 
personal evolution. And what I learned in that was, oh, I get it. Like we've called in the kind of people that we want to have those conversations with. And Ah, they all seem to be there. That's very astute. An astute observation. It's true. Because everyone's down to get into like the mental health of it all. Yeah. Love it. Fucking love it. (laughs) How's everyone? How's that yawn? I'm tired. You know, even when I sleep, if I don't have my my dear child, well, first of all, I wake up before her every morning, but even when she's not even here, I'm still awake at like 6.30. Really, it's been 5.30 lately, but like 6.30. I, if I sleep till 7, that is a huge sleep in. I don't understand it. It's very frustrating. But like, I mean, I fall asleep early too. So what, what time is early? Well, it depends. Last well, night I was alone. And yeah, let's, let's, fun, let's hear about that. <laughs> Last night alone, I like went to bed, I think like 10.30 and was up at 6.30. That's not that early. No. What did you watch? What did I watch? I, I got stoned. I'm trying to remember what I watched. Yeah, I, was, I we got stoned and I took a bath and I was raging. That oh, for me party. Like, oh, yes. Um, that was a party for me. You don't get paranoid? What? Yeah. About what? I would get paranoid if I got stoned. Yeah, I wanted to ask, in the last post, you were talking about being afraid of ghosts when you see them in a movie. Yeah. Do you watch scary movies ever? My relationships with scary movies is this. When I'm in a relationship, I feel like I watch more movies because it's something like you do together. And when I'm alone or my kid, like I'm not just like up watching movies. The only ones I can stay awake for are scary movies. So I wind up watching them. And they scare the shit out of me. When a movie freaks me out, it's more those kind of movies than... But it's not the paranormal stuff. No, any scary movie. Yeah. Which freaks you out more? Like things that could be real or paranormal? Things that could be real are, is what it is for me. Like, like what? Give me an example of a movie like that sc- is things... Like Scream. Like I, I don't love like... Big glass windows that are into the back of the woods. Okay. Or just like openness. That freaks me out. I watched The Accursed. Oh. By myself. How was it? Scary. It was scary. Someone told me that movie Smile is really scary. What's that? I don't know. I I don't have a desire to see it though. It looks creepy. I actually want to see Scream. I want to see Scream. Okay, do you prefer to see a scary movie at home or in a theater? It's scarier at home. Totally. Yeah, I agree. I think the last time I was really freaked out from a scary movie was when my friend David and I were staying in Utah. We rented this big Airbnb. It was Hurricane Utah, which the town was like totally deserted. It was this like... Middle of the desert had all of these homes that were built, these like little mini mansions, but no one lived there. They were like developing the area. And we like accidentally went into the wrong house because the like maps didn't even have the addresses updated correctly. And like the instructions on, on the Airbnb were wrong. And then we saw like a dog and a person in there and we're like, oh, this is not our house. Eventually got to our house, and then we watched Maleficent. 
No, that's what? With what? Angelina Jolie. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. Sleeping um, Beauty. <laughs> what the fuck was it? He's like, we watched Sleeping Beauty. It was so scary. We watched Malignant. Hmm. Oh. What's that? In, in this like big house. But it was scary. It was a scary movie um, by the guy that did Saw. Okay. And Ooh. Insidious and The Conjuring. And then we were just in this big house, just the two of us. And Dave was like, all right, I'm going to bed. Ooh. And there were like all these big empty rooms, big windows out into this like totally deserted neighborhood. I wasn't a big fan of that. <laughs> he, he really wanted to watch that movie. No, thank you. That's scary. Have you guys ever seen The Descent? Who's in that again? It's like an old movie. It's for, I just looked it up. It was from 2005, but I remember this movie. <laughs> oh, I worked in the movie theater when this came out. I remember this poster. You did? Who mm-hmm. did? This movie was fucking scary. Um, who was in it? it? Natalie Mendoza, Shauna McDonald, Alex Reed. It has 86% on Rotten Tomatoes, guys. This movie's good. It's scary. Ugh. It gives me the creeps just thinking about it. Yeah, it's about the caves, right? Yeah. No, thank you. I watched that show, The Haunting of, what is it, Hill, Haunting of Hill House or something? That's a TV show. Yeah, You so watched the good. TV show, the Netflix show? Yeah. Love it. The Haunting of what? Hill House. I love that shit. I know. You watch that stuff before you go to bed, which I don't understand. Yeah. It's very scary. But yeah, it's the only thing, it'll, I'll stay awake. You didn't answer the question, though. Um, so you get afraid of ghosts, but what about like these more thriller horror movies with yeah, like terrifying. killers and th- that's worse for you? No, they're pretty equal. I mean, equal. it all scares me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, that feeling like someone's around the corner in the dark. Were we talking about this, Olivia? Was it an interview or was it something I was watching? Hmm. Someone talking about when you're in the shower and you feel like somebody's going to. Cycle you? No, but like that that feeling of like anxiety that you just bring on yourself. Like yeah. you're alone in the shower and you can just think that and like you're instantly anxious because you feel like somebody's gonna... Dude, one of the scariest moments in my life, I was in my 20s and I was on the top floor and Leah was sleeping in the basement because her room was like in the basement. <laughs> we kept her in the basement. <laughs> and I got really scared because I heard something. And I remember I was just in like, underwear and a wife beater like sleeping oh, perfect setup for a i know film. and that's why i was like oh fuck i'm dying because like, <laughs> this is like the classic horror movie outfit and i grabbed a pair of like scissors from your bathroom drawer like little eyebrow scissors or something and i bailed out your window onto the roof and got <laughs> out of your house i was i was scared out of my fucking mind what did you hear? This was just from hearing some noises you did all this? I woke up in the middle of the night and I heard Was it 3.33? <laughs> I think I was supposed to be there alone or something. I don't know, but I lost my mind and I was out on the street in my underwear and a wife beater thinking, oh, here's where I die. It was a very Jennifer Love Hewitt moment. I've never heard this story before. Well. Nor do I understand what you heard (laughs) i heard something that scared me enough to go outside of your window and onto the roof (laughs) 
and get in out. your underwear. And then jump down into the street. Yeah, and then I went down to the basement and Leah was there with her boyfriend. Which boyfriend? Jake. And I went oh. and slept in their room. <laughs> with them? Yes. I was like, move over. And I got in bed Where with them. Where was I? Who knows? I stayed at your house a whole lot without you. Yeah, I st- whenever you go out of town, I stay at your house, Rachel. <laughs> you just don't know. I know where you keep the spare key, yeah. You do need, uh, your pillows are not very fluffy. What? You need to replace your pillows. Don't insult my pillows. I, let me ask you guys something. When you go stay somewhere else, not at home, and they have pillows that are not down, they're synthetic, you know, like, um, they're firm, old school pillows. Yep. How do you feel about it? Uh, we've bought and like that's my parent. Whenever we stay at my parents' house, they have like the oldest, worst pillows, and we've had to just buy pillows and say, "All right, keep these for next time." Okay. I wanted to do that, and Jeff told me it was rude. At his parents? Yeah, I was like, I want to Amazon some pillows. <laughs> yeah, we, we went to Target. We've done it multiple times where we just had to go to Target to get pillows because I I don't think it's rude when it's the like spare pillows. It's not like it was the pillows that they use every. You should have just done it without them knowing. Like have them and like hide them somewhere they wouldn't or whatever, and not tell them, and then you wouldn't hurt their feelings. I mean, I don't think they would be offended. I wouldn't be offended if someone Amazoned pillows to the house. I'd be like, I'm so glad you're comfortable. Yeah, I don't think we told them. I think we just were like, these pillows don't work. We're going to go get some of our own. It yeah. wasn't a complaint. I get a new bed. Yeah. And pill- yeah. <laughs> pillows Pillows are just a preference. Some people like firm pillows. Some people like really soft ones. Did you ever try that My Pillow? His pillow was terrible. The My Pillow? Did you order it? Yeah. This was like 10 years ago or something when it was like, you have to try, you know. <laughs> you mean the commercial said you have to try? <laughs> Yeah, She's I have like, that. I have me. the sham wow. <laughs> what are your guys' pillow preferences? You like the super soft ones, super firm ones? I like it squishy. I have like a whole thing. Yeah. She has a she has can you talk about what you yeah, have let's to talk about sleep it. with? Well, I have to sleep with two pillows. I have to sleep with the back one that's like a down, kind of firm, big, bigger pillow. Then the one on top I like to be a little bit smaller and squishier. And then I squish that in, and then I have to sleep with a teddy bear that I've slept with since I was three years old. You should see this. I wish you could go get it. Well, no (laughs) one can see it. You have to see this thing, Rob. I was like sort of on board with all of that until you got to the teddy bear. It was close close to my pillow routine. You need to see this teddy bear. (laughs) I cannot sleep without him. I'll freak out. Like If I can't find him in the middle of the night, I will get up and look for him. Or Like if we're adjusting to go to sleep and I can't find him, Jeff will be like, are you serious? I'll be like, everybody's got to get up. Like, So (laughs) have you like done some soul searching into what this teddy bear represents? Comfort. I love him. Well, he was given to me by my godfather who passed away, but I don't even think that's it. I think it's more just like I'm used to sleeping with him in a certain way. And if I don't, I have to use, like when I sleep at Rachel's, I have to use Briar's stuffed animals because I don't let him leave the house. I always put a little squishmallow on her guest Yeah, bed. she knows. She sets <laughs> me up with the good guys. <laughs> yeah, the platypus is the real one that hits the sweet spot. Yeah, we know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, 
We just watched um, God's Creatures. You guys want to hear about it? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) So there's this family in Ireland, and the son is like kind of estranged and hasn't been home in 10 years. He comes back, and he's got like this really close relationship with his mom. He's like infallible to her. And he gets accused of sexually assaulting some like girl at a bar. And immediately she's defending him. She gives him like an alibi. And it's kind of her journey with like coming to terms with her son being kind of a monster. Oof. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. I think about that a lot when I see all this stuff on the news and thinking like, imagine yeah. if you were the parent the of parent of someone who does something horrible. Horrible. Yeah. Her immediate reaction is to like defend him and give him the benefit of the doubt and to help him. But then she's kind of like slowly realizing that maybe this is what he was capable of. And then. That's brutal. It's interesting because I feel like when people go really bad, right? I feel like so much of it is probably connected to mental illness or trauma, Mm -hmm. right? And if it is just mental illness for some people, do the parents have that big of an influence on it or is it just a wired brain? What have you noticed? You have two kids now. I think it's like very apparent how much nature is at play. Oh, yeah. When you have two kids of just like how drastically different they are and they're raised in the same house. My children are not even a smidge alike. Nope. At all. I've found a little bit of comfort in that though. I do too. Like you are who you are. Well, that, I mean more of like the anxiety of like, how am I fucking up this kid? Right. And like, what, what is going to be the like moments for him when he's older that are either traumatic or memorable in a good or bad way. And like trying to make sure that he's shaped the right way. But then when you have another kid, that's totally different. It's like, oh, well, this apparently only matters to some degree. He's going to be who he is on his own too. I mean, this is nothing to do with like... What we're talking about? Shaping kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shaping kids, like, you know, and how it's affecting them and how they'll, you know, come out. Like, are we influencing that? But the other day, it made me realize, like, you know, when there's something so little that, like, you don't think will stay with them or affect them or whatever. Like, there was one time we were at Disneyland and I was wearing jeans and I didn't want to go on the Rapids ride because you get really wet, Okay. I didn't want my jeans. We had the whole day there. I didn't want wet jeans. Like wet jeans are really uncomfortable. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I didn't go on with Briar. And the other night, there was something she said. She was like, we were talking about like, I'm like, when does mommy ever like not do anything with you? You know, like when does I not do stuff with you? She's like, you didn't go on Roaring Rapids on March 24th and 19th. Oh, know? yeah. And she like, remember, she's like, you didn't do that because you had jeans on. And I'm like, Oh my God, I should have just fucking went on in my jeans. Like, who cares? But I felt so bad that I didn't go because it really stuck with her. And I didn't think it would be a big deal. There was a huge group of people and everybody went. And I was like, oh, she won't even remember or care if I'm on or not. Right. But I also think, though, that like that is such a random incident that happens (laughs) 
to stick in her memory. Like I'm sure you've been stubborn plenty of other times around yeah. her, and that is somehow this like pivotal, memorable moment for her. That I didn't is totally go random. I know, and I don't. But I kind of like that she has that. You like that she has that? Yeah, that I think traumatic kids moment sh- about. I think kids should have adversity. I don't think they should like know what it's like to feel disappointment a yeah. little bit. I right. don't think we should give children everything they want, you know? Right. And so I think it's good she has those moments where you did what you needed to do, regardless of it's that you didn't want to get your jeans wet or whatever. It's like, it's going to teach her to have self-boundaries and that it's okay, you know? Right. That's a good point. And when I think about what I did, it sounds really like... I didn't want to get my jeans wet. But Are do you, you kidding? That? It is so miserable to walk around a theme park soaking wet in wet jeans. But also, like, why did I wear jeans? Right? Like, no. I think about there's that plenty too. of adults that won't go on those rides. I know, but I feel like, you know, I just want to do the things with her. And like, we're gonna, you know, on spring break, um, there's gonna be like a water park, and I hate doing that stuff. Like, I don't. <gasps> there's a baby. <laughs> Sorry, Vincent just uh, There's a baby. There's a baby. Rob brought his baby. Hi, Baba. Hi, Vincent. Hi. You say Dada? Dada? Dada. (gasps) He sounds an awful lot like you, Rob. Yeah. (laughs) Pass the baby. Dada. Oh, oh. There it is. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. He's so cute and squeaky. All right, where were we? Fucking up our kids. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a traumatic memory that I remember as a what? kid, too. I remember I was like two or three, and we were at some like county fair thing up on a hill in this like tent thing. There was like music and stuff going on. And I was in the tent taking a nap, and I think my mom thought I was with my dad. And my dad thought I was with my mom and they left me on the hill. And then there was this like big storm that came through and like everyone cleared the hill. Wizard of Oz. (laughs) And I was just like in this tent during this storm. And I still have like a vivid memory of it and just being like terrified and crying. That's horrible. Oh my God, that's horrible. (laughs) That's awful. Yeah. But that's what kids do is they won't remember every single thing you did, but they'll remember the one thing you didn't do, you know? Right. And they Mm -hmm. also take things wrong. Like, so Elliot got a haircut the other day, like a major, major haircut. And he went to school and the kids, he came home and he was crying and he was like, the kids were really mean to me today. (gasps) They were telling me I looked like a kindergartner. And... He was like crying and hurt. Well, it turns out they were telling him he looked like an actual kindergartner. There's a kid that has the same haircut that looks like Elliot. I'm sure they were partially teasing him. No, but they weren't. They were like, you look like so-and-so, a kindergartner. And all he heard is, you look like a kindergartner. Oh, yeah. Instead of this precious little boy that he looks like, you know? Right. It's our minds. Nature versus nurture. I look at my mom and I ask her, how did I turn out so good? <laughs> did you did you guys see that documentary, Three Eyed Uncle Strangers? No. What is okay. it? So there was like this German 
doctor that did this study where he separated these three identical twins oh, yeah. at birth. And they all ended up at like the same college. And they were all like so similar, even though they grew up in different families. Oh, wow. I want to watch that. Yeah, that's interesting. What's it called? Three Identical Strangers. Oh, but yeah. Then it gets, really it gets dark that. and weird. It gets dark and weird. Oh. Do I want to see it? I don't know. Do they yeah. bone? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, they don't bone. Okay. See everyone next week. See everyone next week. See you next Tuesday. We come out on Mondays. I know. <laughs> Bye, everybody.